Okay, this week's parsha is Parsha's Vayichi, which is the last parsha in Chumash Bereshis, and therefore it's called, it's called Parsha's Chazak. Um, and in this parsha we have some of the amazing brachas, we're called Birchas Yaakov, where Yaakov calls together all of his children, all of the Shvatim, before he passes away and gives brachas to each one of his sons. Uh, most of them got uh, revealed brachas, some of them was more concealed. Right, well, most of them, aside from the first three. Um, but these brachas are very powerful, and in fact, they really, in many ways, really chartered what's going to be with them throughout history. So I'm, let's, let's zoom into one of them. Perhaps the most famous is what Yaakov benches Yehuda with, fourth of the Shvatim. And we have her in Perak Memtes, Pasek Yud, where he promises Malchus. He promises kingdom to the tribe of Yehuda. As it says here, Lo yasur shevet mi Yehuda, the staff of rulership will never leave the tribe of Yehuda. Mechoykek mi ben raglov, mechoykek means the ability to um, to create law, laws and rules um, is you know from from coming from from him. Ad ki yavo shilo until shilo will come. Velo yikas amim and the nations will gather before him. So Yaakov promises Malchus to Yehuda. And he says, until the coming of Shiloh, which we're going to see is referring to Mashiach. Until the coming of Mashiach, who of course is also going to be a descendant of Yehuda. Sanadavad Malchus comes from Yehuda. Now this promise was so powerful that forever Malchus belongs to Yehuda. Um, it's in fact, in the 13 principles of faith, when we believe in Mashiach, we don't just believe in Mashiach, we will be Mashiach who will come from Shevet Yehuda. So much so that Ramban, um, famously critiques the Chashmonoim. Right? We're just coming from the story of Hanukkah, and we know that Chashmonoim, as great as they were in the Siddiquim, that they were, nobody's left from their families. And the Ramban, in this week's Parsha, asks why were the Chashmonoim wiped out? And he says, as great as they were, there was a critique, because they took Malchus for themselves. They took royalty for themselves after the Hanukkah story, and that was a mistake, because Malchus belongs to Shevet Yehuda. Others argue on the Ramban, but that's the Ramban on this week's Parsha. Yes? So, so why was the first Malach Shaul? Oh, so that's an interesting question. So at that point yet, there wasn't um, someone from Shevet Yehuda that was fit for Malchus. So, I mean, there were other Malachim throughout history that were not from Shevet Yehuda, good Malachim, but it wasn't going to be a long-standing thing. It was a one-time shot. Um, interestingly, the word Shaul means borrowed. It means that's not really his place. He's borrowed for the task, um, so to speak, just for the time being until there's the proper Malach of Yehuda. So, but let's, let's um, focus in on the word Shiloh. It says, until the coming of Shiloh. Shiloh, as we said, is referring to Mashiach. But what does the word Shiloh have to do with Mashiach? How does that relate to Mashiach? So Rashi says, and that's the next quote here on the page, Rashi, Akhiyavo Shiloh, Melech HaMashiach, that's the king Mashiach. Why is he called Shiloh? Because Shiloh is actually an acronym for Shehamelucha Shiloh. Shehamelucha Shiloh, the one whose kingdom will belong to him, this is how Unkelis um, translates the word Shiloh, the one who's going to be the ultimate king, and that is Mashiach. That's one shot. Excuse me. Medrash Agoda says Rashi, the Medrash says, Shiloh comes from the words Shai Lo, which means gifts to him. Shanemar, as the Pusik says in Tehillim, Yovilu Shai Lamora. That when Mashiach will come, the nations of the world will bring gifts to the great teacher, to Mashiach. So the word Shiloh, the word Shai is a gift. And Shiloh, Shiloh gifts to him, that refers to Mashiach. And that's how the word Shiloh um, is alluding to Mashiach. That's where Rashi gives us two explanations. 
why Shiloh is Mashiach, again, either because of the acronym, Shehamelucha Shiloh, that the kingdom is his, or Shiloh, that gifts to him, gifts are to the king Mashiach. Everyone's here too? Yeah. Good, excellent. Um, okay, so we're talking about the Birchas Yaakov, the blessings for, of Yaakov to his sons, and we're specifically the blessing to Yehuda, and that was the promise of Malchus, the promise of kingdom until the coming of Mashiach. And Mashiach over here in the Parsha is called Shiloh. Rashi gives different explanations why it's called Shiloh. But then we have a very fascinating Balhaturim. The Balhaturim always is the one who comes with the, the different Rimazim, the different hints and allusions um, in the Pasuk. So again, um, we're, just, we're talking here about the Birchis Yaakov, oh. and specifically now about the Bracha to Yehuda, oh. which is that Malchus will belong to him until the coming of Mashiach. And the word used for Mashiach here is Shiloh. Adkiyavah Shiloh is referring to Mashiach. So we have here a Balaturim. It says something fascinating. It says, the words Yavo Shiloh, the coming of Shiloh, is Begimatria Mashiach. Now, I don't know if you want to trust him or if you want to pull out your calculators or phones or, or you can do this in your head. It's actually not such a difficult one, but Shiloh is 345. Yavo is 13, so it's 358. So Yavo Shiloh, the coming of Shiloh is Mashiach. Then the Balaturim goes on and says, the word Shiloh itself, Bigmatria Moshe. Because Moshe is 345. So Moshe is 345, as is Shiloh. Yavo is an additional 13, turns Moshe into Mashiach. Again, you can always rely on the Balaturim. He's always going to come with the numbers and show you how everything fits, every detail, every aspect of Torah is exact, including the numbers and the numerical values. And that's what he's great for, the Balaturim. Remember, the Balaturim was also one of the greatest halachic poskim of all time. He wrote the tour. The tour, which the whole Shulchan Aruch is based on. But so on the one hand, he's the master of halacha. On the other hand, he's also the master of remez, showing us the hints, the illusions, the, the hidden layer in the Torah. So here he tells us this concept. Again, Shiloh is Moshe. Yavo Shiloh adds 13, makes it Mashiach. What is he implying? Oh, so that's the thing. The Valtrum says these cryptic statements, but what is he implying? What does it mean? So clearly, there's some relationship here between Moshe and Mashiach. But Moshe is sort of Mashiach minus 13. Because Moshe is Shiloh, add Yavo, that he's coming, that turns Moshe into Mashiach. So what does this mean? So therefore, on the next line, we have a quote from the Medrash, the Medrash of the Zayar, that says, Moshe hu goel rishon hu goel acharon. Moshe is the first redeemer, Moshe is the ultimate redeemer. Again telling us about a relationship between Moshe and Mashiach. Now, it doesn't mean literally that the final redeemer will be Moshe Rabbeinu. Why not? Why can't the final redeemer be Moshe Rabbeinu? Wrong tribe. Wrong tribe. Moshe is Levi, and Mashiach is from Shevet Yehuda, as we just saw from David HaMelech. So what does the Medrash mean when it says that Moshe is the Goel Rishon, Goel Acharon? That Moshe is the one who begins the process and gives the Koach for the Goel Acharon. After all, Mashiach is coming to redeem us with the Koach of Torah. When the Ramam describes the qualities of Mashiach, the very first quality is Hogebet Torah, someone who's steeped in Torah study. Torah is Torah's Moshe. So Moshe is the one who gives us the first Geula and gives the koach for Mashiach to ultimately bring the final gulas. Moshe took us out of Mitzrayim, brought us to Torah, and Mashiach will complete that process and bring us out of gulas. But to go a step deeper, so here, this basically we have the Balaturim says, Moshe is Mashiach, Shiloh, but again, let's remember, he said there's the word Shiloh, which is Moshe, Yavo, if you add the Yavo, we have Mashiach. So Moshe is 345, Mashiach is 358, Yavo is 13. 
You have to add the 13 of Yavo to bring from Moshe to Mashiach. What's 13? Or what other great word, central word is 13? Is Echad. The word Echad, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, is also 13. Aleph Chesdalet is 13. So here's a, a little bit of remez. We don't do this every week, but a little remez. The word Echad, which is 13, which is the, one of the most famous words, we have Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. There's a famous question asked in many Sfarim. The word Echad means one. There's another word in Hebrew means yah, which is Yachid. What does Yachid mean? What's the difference between Echad and Yachid? In Hebrew. Yachid means the only one. The only one. means the only one. Echad means one. There's Echad, Shtayim, Shalosh, one, two, three. Which would be a more appropriate expression of our belief in Hashem? Echad or Yachid? Seemingly, Yachid. Hashem is not one, and then there's two, and then there's three. Hashem is Yachid. So one would, would ask, and Sfarim asked the question, that the Shema, which is our statement of belief, should have said, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Yachid. That Hashem is the only one. And yet it doesn't say that. In this ultimate statement of our faith, of our belief, we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem is one. We don't say Hashem is the only one. Why? Say this for him. Because what are we supposed to have kavanah when we say the word Echad? What does it say in Halachah? That the word Echad is alluding to Aleph, Hashem is one. Ches is the seven heavens and the earth. And Dalit are the Dalit Rucho Sa'olam. The four corners of the earth. And when we say the Shema, we're supposed to think Hashem is the Melech over the heaven and the earth and the atmosphere and the entire universe. And that's all alluded to in Echad. Again, the Aleph, the Ches and the Dalit, the heavens, the earth. The corners, the, 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 uh, the directions, all of that is Hashem's mind. Where does the Aleph stand from? I'm sorry? Where does the Aleph stand from? The Aleph is the oneness of Hashem. That that oneness of Hashem rules over the heavens, and the earth, and the four, the four ruchos Allah. Say this for him, that that's why he doesn't say Yachid. Yachid means Hashem is the only being. Echad means, no, there's a lot of beings. There's a big world out there. And there's up and down, and right and left, and east and west and north. And that oneness of Hashem pervades and, is, and rules over all of the entity of creation, bringing everything, bringing godliness into everything in this world. And that's Echad versus Yachid. Yachid sort of says there's no world. Nothing, there's oneness of Hashem and nothing else exists. Echad says, no, there's a world that Hashem created and Hashem rules and Hashem is involved and Hashem permeates every detail of creation. So Echad represents bringing godliness into everything, into every aspect of the world. That's the 13 of Echad. So, bringing it all together. Moshe gave us the Torah. Brought us the Torah from Hashem. And from the time he brought it to us for thousands of years, what are we doing? We're bringing the Torah to every corner of the world. We're bringing the Torah to the mitzvahs by being everywhere, by doing mitzvahs with everything. So we're taking the Moshe and adding the Echad. We're adding how that's um, connected to and how that <coughs> leads and that pervades and that permeates every part of the world. When that avodah is bishlemus, that's Mashiach. And that's how this comes together. That's the deeper meaning of this Balhaturim, that Moshe is Shiloh. Add Yavo, add the 13, add the Echad, and then we have the, the Yavo, the, 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 the uh, complete coming, so to speak, of Moshe, the complete revelation of the Torah that Moshe gives us is with the coming of Mashiach, when Moshe's Torah will be brought and will permeate every part of this world, and then we have the Shleimus, the completion of the B'yasa Mashiach. So all that is in those two words of Atki Yavo Shiloh, 
again, Shiloh is Moshe, the Koach of Torah, Yavo, when that comes, when that's brought to every part of the creation through our Avodah in this world for these thousands of years, that is Mashiach, that's the coming of Mashiach, who's of course Ben David coming from the Shevet Yehuda. That is one concept that I wanted to share, and we have time for one more. Okay, and let's, let's do the next concept on the page. After Yaakov gives all the brachos to all of his sons, all the blessings, Yaakov ultimately passes away. Yaakov passes away, and as we know, he is brought up to the land of um, Canaan, later Eretz Yisrael, and he's buried in Hebron, that he himself bought. As the Pasuk says, and here we have it in Pasuk, Perak Nun Pasuk Gimel, Vayisa also bon of Arts of Canaan, his children carried him up to the land of Canaan. Vayikro, so they buried him in the in that um, cave of the Machpelah, a field, Ashakana Avram, Asasada, Lachuzas Kever, that Avram Avinu already bought this way back in Parshas Chayisara, Mes Evron Hachiti, Alpnei Mamre, and this is, he bought it from Ephron by Mamre, and this is where Yaakov is going to be buried. Which is very exact about this, because it keeps repeating this. The Torah wanted us to know that that Hebron is ours, which is still still contested today, thousands of years later. Every time the Torah says Hebron was acquired by Avram Avinu for Klal Yisrael. Okay, now when you read the Pasuk, it sounds like it was a very peaceful and calm Levi and everything went well and they brought him up and they buried him. You learn a little Gemara, we know nothing is further from the truth. And the Targum Yonasam. You know that the Torah has a number of uh, great Targums, um, translations. One of them is the Targum of Yonasam ben Uziel. Yonasam ben Uziel was a disciple of Hillel, uh, who lived before the destruction of the second Besamikdash. And he was a tremendous Sadiq. It says Yonasam ben Uziel was the greatest of the disciples of Hillel. And when the Gemara wants to describe the type of Kedusha of Yonasam ben Uziel, it says that when he would teach Torah, there was a flame that would, it would come out and that if a bird were passed over his head, the bird would be burnt up. That's what the Gemara says about the greatness of Yonas and Ben-Ozil. Um, he's buried in a place called Amuka today, not far from Sfas. Many, many people go to visit his gravesite, especially for some reason it's connected with Shiduchim. For some reason those who are looking for Shiduchim um, are, I don't know anyone here, but, but and so that be, has become a famous place for people going to Davin. Be that as it may. Yonason is not only a translation, he also goes off sometimes into explanation. And here he tells us the story, it's a famous story from the Gemara, but we'll read it in his words. He says, Ushmiya pisgama le'esav rishia. Esav heard that Yaakov died, even though Esav wasn't in Mitzrayim, but he must have gotten a text, a WhatsApp, email, saw it on Facebook, whatever it is. Esav heard that Yaakov died. And he said, he's not going to let Yaakov get, be, be buried in Ma'aras HaMachpelah. He did not let. He, he actually physically went there and he blocked them. And he said, this is mine. Why are you taking this from me? And there's a whole story. They sent Naftali back to Mitzrayim, which I, I skipped a lot of the words here. Chushim Bardon. One of the sons of Don was Chushim. He was hard of hearing. And he sees that uh, Uncle Esav is not letting Yaakov be buried. Not till Saifi took a... Took a According to the Gemara, says he took a stick. Here, says he took a sword. V'kata reshed Esav. He beheaded him. He killed Esav. V'haver reshed Esav misgalgul. The head of Esav rolled. Ad da'al legoy ma'artad came into the um, into the cave. V'asnach begoyitve diyitzchak avoy. The head of Esav rolled into the arms of Yitzchak. Remember, we're trying to bury Yaakov here. Esav is standing in the way. Chushim, son of Don, kills Esav. Esav's head rolls off and rolls into his father Yitzchak's um, bosom. 
Yitzchak yeah, is buried. Yeah, Yitzchak is buried. But it's a ma'ara. You know, in the olden days, burial was different. A ma'ara means that it's not necessarily covered. It's in the cave. The cave is blocked. But if you're able to get into the cave, the bodies are there. But that's the difference between burial in a cave versus burial in a grave. In a grave, you're in the ground, you're surrounded by ground. In a cave, it's an open cave, and you're put in the cave. So here, the head rolls into the cave and rolls into Yitzchak's arms. Basar can cover Yasei Benoli Yaakov, Bemaris Chakal Kafilta, and then the Leviah proceeded, and Yaakov is not buried. So, according to this Madrish, which is really based on a Gemara, Esav's head is, is buried in the Ma'ara Samachpela, and it's in the arms of Yitzchak, his father. Now, if you go, anyone who's been to the Ma'ara Samachpela, you'll know that there is, you know, where Yaakov is, where this, but there's also where Esav's head officially is. And I think the Arabs have something there for Esav's head. Um, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I've been there many times, and I've heard this. I didn't, you know, we don't have access to a lot of the places of the Ma'ara Samachpela. Be that as it may, in our tradition, Esav's head is in there. Now, this raises a very interesting question, which is, halachically, you're not allowed to bury a Russia with a tzaddik. Um, in fact, there's an, a fascinating story in the Gemara where it says that Hashem did tchias hamesim so that a Russia shouldn't be buried with a tzaddik. And what story am I talking about? Let's look at it here. It's the next uh, paragraph. It's a Gemara in Mesech the Sanhedrin, that Memzayin Amadalev, in Sanhedrin. How do we know that we don't bury a Russia near a tzaddik? Shenemar. The Gemara brings a Pasuk from Malachim. Malachim base, Perikud Gimel. It says, ish. They were burying a man. They saw a, um, a, a group of soldiers coming towards them. So they threw the person who they were trying to bury in the grave of Elisha. This person touched the bones of Elisha. He became alive and walked away. What's the story? What's the narrative here? Very strange story. So of course we have one of the greatest Nevi'im ever was Elisha. Elisha was the Talmud, the disciple of Eliyahu Navi. And, and Elisha did Tchiz Mason both in his lifetime and here after his lifetime. And Elisha, it says, although perhaps Eliyahu Navi somehow got, is more famous, but it says in the Navi that Elisha was Pishnayim Beruchah Shel Eliyahu, that he was twice the spirit of Eliyahu. Whatever miracles Eliyahu did, Elisha did twice as many. That's all in the Navi. Elisha is one of the greatest Naviim ever. So here we have a story. Elisha dies, and Elisha is buried. Years after he's buried, there's a, there's a burial, um, there's a funeral passing by Elisha's cave. And suddenly the funeral procession sees that there is a band of warriors heading towards them, not friends. So they panicked. So they dropped the coffin and ran. When they dropped the coffin, or now then they didn't have coffins. Then it's like in Israel today, there's no coffins. It's on a bed. There's a, a, a body. They dropped the body. They dropped the body and ran. The body happened to land by the kever of Elisha. And somehow, again, somehow there was some type of an opening. Elisha, the kever is in the cave. It says kever, Elisha. <laughs> I'm remembering that there may, it may have been, you know what, I have to look. I have to look. The, 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 words, the, the, the words of the Pasuk are Kever Elisha. Be that as it may, it says they dropped this, the dead person and somehow he reached Elisha, the remains of Elisha. And what happens is he becomes alive. Says the Gemara, why did he become alive? Because he was a Russian. This person who was now being buried is a Russian. And Elisha is a tzaddik. And Hashem wouldn't allow for him that a Russia 
should lie with a tzaddik in his grave. So, so far, Hashem went to such a... He made him alive. The man stood up and walked away. The, the Mepharshim say he walked away and died somewhere else. But, but it's not as if he went back home and lived another hundred years. But, but he, was, he was made alive in order that he shouldn't be buried with Elisha. Who was this man? Who was this man who died and, is, and, is, and had Chiyos HaMesim? So Rashi says, and again this is a Rashi over there in the Gemara Sanhedrin. This man who was who died, who who now fell to Elisha, was a Navi Sheker, who was a false prophet. As we know in that time there was many Navi Shekers. Who Hanavi Asher Heshivas Ido Lechol Velishtos Bives Ale. Right? Um, again, this one of the again, this Navi is full of so many fascinating stories. Ido was a Navi of Hashem. There's whole questions who Ido was, but he was an Avi of Hashem. Ido was sent to the king Yeravam to tell him not to serve idols. But Hashem told him one thing, he says, you're not to eat or drink. You have to say the Nevuah and not eat or drink. And Yeravam tried to get him to drink, he didn't. On the way back home, there was a Navi Sheker, a false prophet, who called Ido and says, come eat with me. He says, I can't eat. He says, what do you mean, I'm a prophet too. Hashem told me you could eat. And Ido ate with him. Ido ate with him, and Ido was punished immediately, he was killed by a lion. On the way out of school, this guy who made Ido eat, he's a Navi Sheker, a false prophet, and he's the one who died later and is, and is being taken in his burial procession, and he's the one who falls into Elisha's grave. That's what Rashi says. This is the Navi that brought Ido to eat and drink in Basel. The Nenesh Ido, Yado, the Ido was. I'm sorry? It sounds like a mini series, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tanakh. So he was he was he was punished and and Ido was killed. When this Navi Sheker died a number of days later, Kavru Eitzel Elisha. So he was the one that was buried by Elisha. Hashem wasn't happy with this. Hashem wouldn't allow this be. you cover at slow that he should be buried with Elisha. Therefore, he was made back alive. That's what the Rashi says in the Gemara Sanhedrin, and this becomes a din in Shulchan Aruch. That a rush is not going to be buried in the outside. Here becomes the big question. So what happened in our parsha? <laughs> Who's a greater tzaddik than Yitzchak Avinu? And Yitzchak and Yaakov and Avram are all doing. And who else is there? Esav's head. How is that possible? If Elisha, who's, you know, thousands of years later, Elisha, Hashem does Tchiyas Amesim, not to allow a Russia to be buried with him, how could it be that Esav, who, you know, Esav of Russia, is buried in the Mars of Achpela and in the embrace of Yitzchak his father? So but he wasn't a Russia as to his father. See what I'm sorry? He wasn't a Russia as to his father. You know, his father didn't see him that way. He didn't see him that way and he honored his father. Okay, MS? MS. So let's let's see. I think I'm gonna say that, but maybe we'll go a step deeper. He saw by the Kura, like he buried well, at some level of shuva, but a couple of years later, he's not letting Yaakov be buried. You know, he, he never became a tzaddik. In our history, in our uh, the the way the Gemara looks at him, the way we look at Esav, Esav never did, didn't die of Alshuva. Gishmal did. Esav didn't die of Alshuva. He's not considered that way. But the pshat is like this, and it's a very deep concept. It's a very uh, important idea, and it's the following: We know the Yitzchak was always busy with Esav. Right? And that's another famous story of the Chumash that Yitzchak loves Esav. And, and the wording of the Pasuk is, why is Yitzchak of Esav? Ki That Esav, literally, Tzayi means he, he, uh, he was a hunter. Or according to Talib because he gave him food. So Yitzchak HaTzadik loves his son because he gives him food if he's a Russia. I mean, the whole thing needs explanation. According to Kabbalah Chassidus, the explanation is that Yitzchak recognized that within Esav, he had very, very powerful and high 
levels of Kedusha that were within him. Now, he didn't act that way. The way he acted, the way he expressed himself, he didn't act. He was a Russia. But he had with him tremendously high spiritual powers. And Yitzchak knew that, and Yitzchak was trying to cultivate them. And Yitzchak was trying to always bring Esav to Tshuva. Interestingly, we know that in the history, Esav has descendants who are the greatest tzaddikim of Klal Yisrael. Some of the greatest tzaddikim of, of, of ours were converts from the Romans. Romans are Esav. Like who? Rabbi Meir? The one of all Mishnahis is based on Rabbi Meir. The Tanakhama, whenever there's an open statement of Mishnahis, that's Rabbi Meir. Because Rabbi Meir was a teacher of Yehuda and he wrote the Mishnahis. Unkulis Hager. The most primary um, translation of the Torah is Unkulis. He's a Roman convert. These converts, these tremendous Sadiqim, is what Yitzchak saw in Esav. Because Esav had tremendously high, even higher than Yaakov, spiritual and holy powers within him. But they didn't express themselves within him. They were the head of Esav, the high point of Esav. When Esav is killed, his head is separated from his body and the head is brought back to Yitzchak. Yitzchak's whole life he was looking for Esav's head. He was trying to reach the Kedusha and the head of Esav. The problem with Esav was he never did Shuva, so that head didn't express itself in the body. But there was the Kedusha that was at the essence, the head of Esav. And that's why Dafka, the head of Esav, in the last minutes of his life, what happens? Hashem says, okay, you never succeeded in your head expressing itself in your body. The highest parts of you and your neshama expressing itself in the rest. So now that will be separated. The rest of Esav, take it somewhere else. But the head of Esav, which Yitzchak was trying to cultivate his entire life, is finally brought back home to Yitzchak. And that's where Esav finds himself for forever because that Yitzchak invested his life in the head of Esav so when Yaakov passes away um, Hashem again everything comes together and Hashem brings the head of Esav back to Yitzchak Avinu so that Yitzchak's um, efforts of his entire life really come to be come to be at this point when the head of Esav comes back to Yitzchak and this is not just for, for Esav but this is going to affect that those neshamas that come from the head of Esav Reb Meir and Unklus a thousand years later are ultimately all going to come back to Yitzchak and to Yaakov and to Klal Yisrael with Reb Meir Unklus Hager and other great tzaddikim that came from Esav as well 9.15 we're on time ok how do I turn this off